stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that unfortunately... um, needs to be talked about more and more because it's become becoming more and more prevalent and that is abuse abuse of all sorts abuse uh, battered women syndrome kind of abuse wife abuse uh child abuse sexual abuse physical abuse you know it's just um there's become an explosion an epidemic of all kinds of abuse over the years and yes you know some people will want to say well is it really that there's so much more abuse maybe it's just that we are it's in the media more people talk about it more people um, are willing to admit to it more or or you know tell their story more um, but the truth is that there actually is more in addition to it being more in the news and more out there and apparently it isn't out there enough uh, to to help to change it the pain of it isn't out there enough uh, to help to change it. But my guest today um, is contributing her story, quite an amazing <laughs> an amazing story, uh, to to the stack. <laughs> um, and I think that there that it will help some people, uh, really will help to to open the eyes of people. Um, but more, so much more needs to be done, more therapy, more, I mean, abuse breeds abuse, and that's part of it, uh, one generation passing the abuse on to the next, and then also um, all the, uh, the, mu- the lyrics and the, uh, the uh, videos and, and um, you know, all kinds of things that, and actually in real life news stories, where, like Chris Brown and Rihanna, for example, where um, where abuse is meant to be shown to be something that's okay or cool or should be forgiven. I mean, you know, in these um, in lyrics, for example, when uh, that talk about uh, abusing your girlfriend and how cool that is, or I'm gonna, you know, do this and that to her, and and what happens is that um, especially. Looking at uh, teen girls, uh, the amount of, of violence between on dates, date rape, date all kinds of violence amongst amongst boyfriends and girlfriends, <laughs> teenagers has just—I mean, it's not just adults, but this has gone gotten to the point 
of uh, teenagers putting up with it, women putting up with it, girls thinking that they have to keep put up with it or else they're not, no one's going to love them, they're not going to have a boyfriend, they're not going to be able to keep their boyfriend, and guys thinking that uh, if they show off to other guys that they have their girlfriend in check, you know, that they can do whatever they want to her and she'll still stay with them, that that makes them the really cool guy, the really badass and, um, I mean, this is just why this keeps exploding and exploding and exploding. Well, today's guest, uh, Janice Romney, yes, the cousin of Mitt Romney, who I voted for, by the way, Janice, and I tried to drum up support for on this show. I had everyone uh, and their uncle come on who could talk about why we shouldn't vote for Obama, just like I did uh, in the president's presidential election before. Um, but and I'd like to think it helped some, but because we got really close, but obviously no cigars. So um, Janice has written a new memoir. It's called Beyond the Power of Love: A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse, and more. I guess you couldn't put it all in the title. <laughs> what uh, you know? What what your story? Um, Entails. It's really, I mean, you know, if this was a novel, uh, I would have stopped reading it at some point thinking, oh, come on, this couldn't really have happened to one person. It's just, uh, well, horrific, obviously, but, and tragic and sad and sad for you and sad for your children. Um, I mean, it's amazing that you put up with it for so long. And, of course, that's part of the, I mean, I'm saying that as a psychiatrist who knows all about battered woman syndrome and how that's part of the syndrome that you can't, uh, you you become battered emotionally and physically and you can't, uh, you keep, the strength to leave keeps, keeps getting, keeps seeping out of you uh, as time and more beatings go by. So, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. So, Janice, welcome to the show. Thank and, you. And I'd like you to start with telling us why, I mean, this book doesn't leave out anything, or at least, I mean, maybe it does, but uh, it certainly, <laughs> I doubt, it doesn't seem like it does, and, and there's certainly enough in here that makes, that makes one wonder. I mean, you bared your soul. You told all kinds of personal, horrific uh, things that would that you're ashamed of uh, or were ashamed of and, and that you're doing for the good of other people. Tell us about that. Well, I think that my story is a story of of countless millions of women. And if we don't make it a reality, if people don't, you know, if they can't read this book and actually, you know, it, you know it's not a novel, where, you know, it has to become real enough. And, you know, the reason why I really wanted to, you know, go back and, and you know, do this book was to show the long-term effects. You know, we think we're just surviving from one day to the next, and it's all about, you know, us as the mother or the wife and and, you know, what we're surviving through. But years later, after, you know, my healing and, you know, trying to put my life back together, my life fell apart again because my children, their lives began to fall apart. And I think we really need to bring that awareness out in order to educate and to prevent because it is life-lasting for some of these children 
and that's where the, the cycle continues. And there is no way of stopping the cycle if we cannot heal the family members. It's one thing for me as a mother and as a woman, you know, to change my life, but it is another because I have no control over the lives of my children, and they are damaged. They're damaged by it, whether they are physically abused themselves, but just by witnesses, witnessing the abuse, they are affected. And for some of them, it has been a really long, hard struggle, you know, to, to be able to have, um, you know, a fulfilling life. Uh, and this is what we've really got to deal with in order to end, you know, the cycle so that it just does not keep repeating itself. Yes, yes. Um, it's true because, I mean, even um, one of the things that I do is that I'm an expert witness. And so I, I mean, aside from having patients who have been abused sexually, physically, and so on, um, I also evaluate people who were uh, abused like, for example, the priests, you know, or, or um, and I, I, these are adults. And uh, I, I always say to myself that I wish that there was a camera in here taking a picture of, of this person crying, like a grown man, for example, crying about some abuse that happened to him when he was seven years old, let's say, um, and, and how, you know, to show people that that even though they may want to sweep it under the rug, that, that it is, it is life-lasting, as you were saying. So why don't we start with the beginning? Um, that's, always, that's always a good place to start. <laughs> um, let's start at the very beginning. All right. <laughs> uh, sound of music. Um, so uh, with your childhood, because that's how you opened the book, and that, that was a very dramatic uh, beginning, and yes, it does explain a lot of what follows. So start with that. Well, I had very little of my memory um, or memory of my childhood, but as I grew a little bit older, um, I would say in my you know really late teens or by the time I graduated from high school, you know I knew that there was something very definitely wrong. I had flashbacks of certain things, um, and I could remember you know at least at the age of five and um, so I was sexually abused. Um, it was, um, you know, by someone that lived close enough by the home. And uh, it had to have been repetitive, you know, enough. Uh, and I would say, you know, by the things that continue to happen in my life, it had to have been, you know, traumatic enough for me to have gone on and... and you know, put up with or or dealt with the the severe abuse that I did as you know as a woman later on, but I was sexually abused and it completely changed, you know, um, my self esteem, um, the ability to be able to um, believe in myself, to be able to believe that I could do something with my life. Um, it led me into 
relationships that were unhealthy, but I didn't understand it. And I think that is key into speaking to young girls, you know, because knowledge, you know, obviously is, is you know, fundamental into changing, but I just didn't know. You know, I, why was I attracted to these guys? Why was I allowing these things to happen? Why did I become promiscuous? Um, you know, there was even a date rape, and, you know, these things just continued to happen. And I think when that's, that seed or that shame, that guilt, that inner belief of, of filth, and I'm going to call it, you know, that's because we take on that blame, you know, that guilt that I've done something and being shamed for it, um, you know, was just deeply, deeply, deeply embedded. And, you know, I just went from one relationship, you know, on to another until, you know, I was, you know, until I married someone that was violently abusive. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, Yes, and I just want to underline that point that when women, when little girls are sexually abused or physically abused for that matter, um, when they're they're little girls, when they're growing up, it does unconsciously draw them, attract them to men who are going to be abusive. Not that you consciously, of course, wanted a man to be abusive to you like the original man who had sexually abused you, but that was what was felt that was what felt familiar and um and there's always the unconscious hope that you can make things make the story turn out better this time well we need to take a break my guest is janice romney her book is called beyond the power of love a woman's journey through betrayal of religion and spousal abuse you're listening to dr carol's couch and i'm your psychiatrist host dr carol lieberman and we'll be right back Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, here today with Janice Romney and her new memoir, Beyond the Power of Love, A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse. And um, why don't you take us uh, up where you left off with this incredibly violent um, marriage that you got into uh, with your husband? Okay. Right from the very beginning, I knew that he was. But um, as I continued to, you know, believe, okay, this is just one incident. It's not going to happen again. And this is where the um, the religion part of it, you know, comes into it because I was just, you know, reassured that he would change. And if I was just, you know, more obedient and would just, you know, live up to my, you know, religious beliefs, you know, that together he and I could make it as a couple. And that also, you know, played a real role in in keeping me trapped into it. But in his, the, the violence that um, he was capable of, um, you know, several instances that, instances that I can remember most vividly. Um, oh, wait, just let me, before you, um, you mean after you were married, but before you... Just to, to um, stop at the point of your being attracted to him, you had that was soon after you had had this date rape, right, by a policeman, yeah. and um, you weren't you tried to prosecute him, but uh, nobody would listen because they protected their own. The police did, right, and um, and then there was an abortion also. So both of those things really um, made you weakened you, you know, made you feel, I mean, it was almost like, and your husband-to-be, every time, even though he was violent before you married him, he kept coming with these uh, flowers and apologies, and which is, of course, what abusive uh, men do, and promising that it'll never happen again, and, and, and this is a point that I wanted to get into, and explaining that it was because his mother had died when he was four, Right. Right. And he yeah. was he was uh, uh, made to live with some family that sexually and physically abused him, and right. and he had to and his stepmother was so horrible that he left home at fourteen. So he had come, of course, uh, from a very dysfunctional, to say the least, um, childhood. And what is key, and I don't know, I know you've been in therapy, um, but I don't know whether they addressed this. Um, I wrote about this actually in my first book, Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them, um, in regard to OJ as an example. What, what happens when men, when little boys lose their mothers, either by the mother dying or by, uh, in OJ's case, for example, uh, his next sibling was born very close, and so she replaced him at the breast very quickly with the next sibling, and then because his parents got divorced, she had to go to work when he was very young and long hours, so essentially she abandoned him, she was gone. And so what happens is that when these men think, they're terrified of abandonment, and when they think that, that, 
a woman, the woman that they supposedly love, um, is going to abandon them. It's not just it's not just bad because no one wants to lose their love, but it's because it triggers these memories of abandonment by their mother, and that right. is why they get um, the violence gets so uh, heated, so fueled. Do you want to? Did you get into that? And do you want to talk about that? I mean, did well, you realize I do know that? that he had? He had absolutely, um, and he used that as a way of of um, you know drawing sympathy from me. But there was a love hate relationship between his mother, and his stepmother, um, you know, because he had lost his mother. And I will bring out another point because I don't feel that he ever bonded with his mother. He was never able to even bond hmm. emotionally with me. But his threat, I mean, any time that he felt like that I was moving away from him was the time where I literally felt my life was, you know, was severely threatened. Um, he could not take that. He could not take me walking away from him. Um, you know, that, and he couldn't stand being alone. So, you know, I learned later on that he had been married many times before me. So if it was not me, it was, you know, he just could not be alone. And I think this is really, you know, true with, with many of them. They, you know, they, they have to be with someone. Right. And And you didn't find that out until when? That he had had previous... Not until after I was searching uh, court records to, to see if he had actually uh, retained custody, physical custody of one of my sons. And as I began to go through the court records, I saw all of this and it just, I was totally shocked. Uh, so I didn't know it until after my divorce hmm. that he had been married five times, or at least six times before me. <laughs> wow. So apparently, and he was how old when you married him? He, I was uh, 23, and he was uh, around 28. He was six years older than me. So uh, those marriages had to be pretty short marriages. I mean, he wasn't they that. Were. He wasn't that old. <laughs> no, some were six months, a year. Uh, went back with one of them, uh, so they were all very short. Mine was 15, my two, but theirs were all very, very short. Hmm. Okay, so so go ahead. Why don't you take us through the marriage and the escalating um, violence? Well, he used um, he used the abortion once he found out that I had had an abortion and I couldn't marry him in the Mormon temple. Um, he used that to shame, to make me feel guilty, um, and the very first episode of abuse was he choked me and. Um, I got out of that, and then he coaxed me into returning to him. Um, not soon after that, the church leaders, you know, I left him. And I got up to Salt Lake, and I was not going to return, but I had several bishops telling me, you know, he's a changed man, it's okay, you know, you can come back. Then I got pregnant. And so right after that, when my son was born, um he would never let me leave, you know, with the baby. So that became more of an entrapment. Um, but he would float, throw me down flights of stairs. He would, he broke ribs. 
Um, you know, he beat me with a golf club. Um, he pointed a gun down my throat. I mean, he was, he broke ribs. Um, and then he started in on the children. As soon as the children reached um, about five years old, and they were actually sexually abused when I went to work by the babysitter, which is just unbelievable. But they were sexually abused while I was working and left them with, with them. And so then I felt, you know, tremendously guilty about that. But it just, he just continued every time I would leave, um, because I had my children really close, he would grab one of them and keep them away from me. So I just felt trapped no matter, you know, which way I went. Uh, it was just very hard to get away. And you had six children. Um, yeah. How many boys and how many girls? I had five boys and one girl. And, um, you know, that was, it was interesting that, and, and he didn't really want to work, right? No. And so that's why, I mean, you were kind of trapped in that way, too. You obviously didn't want to leave your children, but, um, but somebody had to make money. You had to keep, houses kept coming into foreclosure and, and, um, and he wasn't able to keep a job. He didn't want to work, but he also couldn't keep a job because he had such a difficulty, uh, such difficulty getting along with people. And, right. um, so it was, everything was, <laughs> it was on you taking care of these children, working, making money, uh, surviving his abuse. And then there, there came a time when you made some suicide attempts. About, um, this was just, uh, after my, um, my, I, I believe it was after my sixth, my, my baby was born, my last baby was born, and, uh, we had bought a little store, uh, I was running the store, and, uh, when that closed, I knew everything was gone. I, um, he had turned uh, and by then, I mean, the abuse had really escalated. I had been, I was severely depressed. And one night he turned this weight belt. He took this weight belt and began to whip my two older boys. And at that time they were 12 and 11. And as he was whipping them, I ran in and got in between the two of them and just ripping the skin off from me, um, I remember just going into the kitchen and taking everything I could possibly take. And my son found me. I was on the couch. Taking, well, let me clarify, taking pills. And your husband had had a lot of pain pills because he had a back injury. And so you were taking all yes. these pills that there were, yeah? Yes. He had all kinds of, and he also had access to friends that would give him, um, you know, painkillers mm -hmm. and sleeping medication. And, and I also had been given uh, sleeping medication uh, from my doctor because I had just barely started getting treatment for um, severe depression. So I had, you know, my own medications plus, you know, a lot of bottles, you know, from his. And... Um, so I just went in and laid down on the couch, and my son found me, and he went and told his dad. His dad said, your mom's that stupid, you know, let her just die. 
he got um, the neighbors. They took me to the emergency room. Your son did. My, yeah. Yes, my my second uh, to the oldest. He was eleven. Um, they pumped my stomach, and <clears throat> they did let me go home. And I started in on therapy, and I think that was just the beginning of um, you know everything unraveling. I found out that he had lied to me. He had lied to me about, um, you know, his education, and uh, my mother had been supporting us. So um, I just knew that if I was to survive, I had to get out. I had to leave. Okay, and we have to get out and take a break right now, but we will be back. The story is riveting. I'm sure... I'm sure my listeners don't want to leave either to, to take a break. But we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to Janice Romney. She is the author of a new memoir called Beyond the Power of Love, A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Do you find yourself tearing pictures of rooms out of magazines? Do you watch certain movies and TV programs because of the homes they show? Are Sundays reserved for open houses? Then you are a home dreamer. And someday, you will build or renovate your dream home. Steve Cliff has spent three decades learning how to win at the dream home game. His show, Winning the Dream Home Race, can be heard every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Let Steve Cliff help save you money and make you a winner. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Janice Romney. Her book is the uh, it's a new memoir. We're talking about Beyond the Power of Love, A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse. And when we left uh, at the break, um, you were talking about your first suicide attempt. And I was thinking, you know, if you had been my patient in, in that emergency room, um, I wouldn't have let you go home just because you promised you were gonna, <laughs> you weren't going to do it again. I mean, that's what they all say. <laughs> and in I fact, know. you did do I... it again. I know. I look back at that, and because there was, um, 
you know, I, I did, I did think about doing it again. Um, uh, and, and I'm still, you know, I, I don't know how come I was let, I was let go of that emergency room that night, but I did. And, but I did, I did, uh, seek, um, you know, another therapist and she was really, really good at helping me. So, you know, between her and, you know, making a plan, uh, I knew that if I was to live, there was just, there was no other way. And so I did get um, my ex-deceased husband, by the way, to stay into our foreclosed home, and I moved into another one, and um, he found out that I had been secretly selling furniture and everything so that I could get money enough to, you know, to leave. Uh, so when he came over one day and he found out that I had done it, he, you know, beat me up, threw me down some stairs, and and so that night uh, he had a paper route, paper route at that time, and man, we just threw everything into the car. We just whatever we could take, we just took. And at midnight, when he was on that run, I just took my 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 kids and we gotten into the car and. And I headed straight for the, the border. Um, I grew up in the Mormon colonies in Mexico, and I headed straight for, for the border. And I took my kids into Mexico, and that was the only way that I could, um, you know, get away from him and, and be safe, you know, long enough to, to file for divorce. Um, but that's when, that's when I began to see the problems you know, with my children. Not only was I, you know, struggling with severe depression and, you know, trying to get on my own feet, but then I began to see, you know, the the problems with my children. And let's talk about that. Like what? What did you start seeing? Well, first of all, they struggled in school. Um, They, um, you know, it wasn't too long. A year and a half later, I, I did remarry. And then it was then at that time that my youngest son, who was um, 14 at the time, and so I'm going to start at the age of 14. One was 15, one was 14, and one was 13. And those three boys began to get into drugs and alcohol, and then um, two of them dropped out of school. Now, my second one... No, wait, where were you living at this time? Were you in Mexico still? No, by then I had moved from Mexico. It was almost two years after my divorce, a year and a half, close to two. I had moved from Mexico to Tucson, Arizona. And And your your ex-husband was living where? He was still living in Mesa, Arizona. Okay. He had been fighting me for physical custody of the children because I had moved into a foreign country. And the judge had ordered me to take the children back, and I was ordered to return them to him. So after I, you know, when I remarried, then that took care of that because I did, you know, go back into the United States. Um, the fact that I was living in Mexico was um, was a problem with the judge. Uh-huh. So. I wasn't allowed to keep them there, but um, when I, once we lived, you know, we we started a new family. We were living in Tucson. Um, My second to the oldest son um, ran away from home, 
he uh, got into drugs. Uh, it was a real battle. We got him in and out of uh, drug rehab. We did everything we could possibly do. But this child, from the time he was 14, never returned home. He was um, he became a heroin addict. Hmm. Um, nearly lost his life. Um, he had crossed the border into Ciudad Juarez, where it's the most drug-infested uh, drug war. A uh, horrific place for him to be. Um, it was just an extremely difficult time, uh, but it was he was just lost. There was no help. Well, you know, just to sort of recap, um, because I don't think you I just I, I want to make sure that everyone understands that um, your husband uh, was physically abusive to them too. I mean, you did mention it, but that he was horrifically physically abusive to them throughout their yeah. childhood. Through, you know, until you left yeah. with them, and, and then there was that period when they were f- the oldest two were four and five, right, when they were with the right. baby for a year, when they were with the babysitter, and, and you discovered after, at the end of the year that, that the parents and the old, the, they had a son, and there was physical and, well, mostly sexual abuse going on in that family. And so yeah. he really, I mean, the, your two oldest boys really, I guess, had the worst of it, right? Yes, they did. And, and their father was, um, was, more abusive to them. As the children got older, he became more physically abusive to them. Mm. So as each one of them reached, you know, a certain age, it just seemed like he would, you know, he would become more violent with them. They couldn't do anything without, you know, being whipped or, or you know, their legs would just be, have the skin, you know, ripped off from them. Uh, they'd wear pants to school you know, to, to hide the, the welts. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is, it's hard for me to even say it today as a mother. Um, because I know a lot of people say, well, you know, where were you during all of this time? And, and I think people need to understand that we all become victims. That's not an excuse. But I think that's why it's so relevant to be honest and to be able to share and to be able to, you know, to say this because my children suffered and there is no grief greater than a mother's sorrow, you know, as she's watching her children and she's trying to save them when she's still trying to, you know, take care of herself. And you can't do it. You can't do it both. It takes a strong parent to be able to help her children as, you know, as they go through their teenage years, but much less one who is, you know, has been very traumatized and very, um, you know, severely depressed. Uh, So it was very difficult for my children. They felt very much alone, and it was very difficult for them uh, as they were growing up. So... Well, do you think also, how much do you think um, you're marrying relatively quickly? What effect do you think that that, did they get along with your new husband? Or did they think that, you know, I mean, typically, even in, in, you know, families where there isn't abuse, um, it's hard for children to uh, adopt to, you know, they feel that the new parent, step-parent, 
uh, is taking the place of their parent and there's resentment. I mean, that's just a difficult transition to make in, in any family, no less where there's been all this abuse. So how did, you, did they get along with your new husband? Yes, they did. Um, Richard was just an amazing person in his ability to be able to weather every storm and to be able to uh, not step in when he, you know, with the discipline, he was able to, you know, just know when and where, you know, his place was. And my children have told me, you know, many times that that was the very first time they ever felt like that they were part of a family. Mm. And, you know, my sons have said they don't know where they would be today if it had not been for him. Mm. So they feel like that was a stabilizing, um, you know, force in their life, although it was not an easy transition you know, there it did have its difficulties, but it certainly, um, you know, was better for them. And they, you know, they grew to respect him. And, um, you know, he just, he was just a very good step-parent and became a good father figure to them. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so the four, the one who was 14 has never come home since? Uh, no. He, um, it's still painful to say it today, but he, um, after a while, with so much drug use, he finally did enter into the prison system. Um, and hopefully, you know, this time uh, when he's released, he will be able to, you know, begin a new start with his life. But... Um, I've really not been able to have him home as a son since he was 14. And what about the oldest? Just to go back to that, the eldest. The oldest one is doing well. He is a personal trainer. Hmm. Um, and now you see that? That's a way of, um, of, of twisting, um, you know, making... Obviously, it, it made him feel better to become more muscular and powerful because of all the abuse that he suffered. That would be a psychological defense mechanism. And that's a way of, of turning it into a socially um, uh, positive kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? That this is helpful yes. to him, and, and now he can use it in his work. Yes, and, and he does. And he's very tenderhearted. Um, and he, he recognizes, you know, where... Um, patterns of his past, you know, when they surface. Um, my children have all been very uh, open to that and very, you know, willing to learn and to grow. Um, now my um, my third son is living in Tucson, and he has been working steadily. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's done very well. Um, I have a daughter. Wait, before we, go, before we go to her, we do have another break. The time is going way too quickly. My guest is Janice Romney. Her memoir is Beyond the Power of Love. We need to take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, and stay tuned for the last segment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! 
If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, Tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. I want to get back to my guest, Janice Romney, <laughs> and her book, her new memoir, Beyond the Power of Love, A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse. We were talking about your children. Uh, you, you, during the break, you were telling me your third son, uh, Justin, is an apartment manager in Tucson. Okay, then we have son number four. Uh, now, uh, okay, Nathan is a, um, he works with my ex-husband. They uh, are self-employed. They have a business together. And so they uh, work in different parts of New Mexico. Wait, which ex-husband? The abusive... Uh, Pardon? Not not the abusive one. No, he passed away. Now remember, uh, that's what I thought uh, you said. Yes. Yeah, my first that first one is deceased, and uh, Richard and I we did get uh, like well, I said. I well, did yeah, I guess there. maybe we should go back to that. But I I was asking you during the I started to ask you during the break how you could open up your heart to love another man and marry another man, commit to another man after all. The abuse you'd gone through. Tell us that. I went through a lot of healing during that whole time. I really realized that it was within me. I didn't blame anyone else. I didn't blame anyone for the abuse at any time in my life. I had a very loving and forgiving heart, and I went through a lot of spiritual healing. I went through a lot of therapy, and... um, I I knew Richard, you know, we'd both grown up in the same, you know, colony. Um, oh, okay. So he wasn't a stranger to me, um, and I just felt very safe. I felt like it was, you know, it was right. Um, I felt very good about it, and there just wasn't a time during, you know, the 15 years that 
you know, that we were together that um, he wasn't extremely supportive and and really good with my children. Okay. Um, yeah, well, that, that kind of makes more sense that you that you had known him before and, and felt a felt more of a bond, felt a, sa- a safety, as you said. Um, yes. Okay. And so, and what did your, the husband that we've been talking about, the ex, the abusive one, what did he die of? Heart attack. Hmm. He was about, four, he was 49. Hmm. It's amazing that, uh, I mean, you know, with his um, temper and all that, it's amazing, it's not really a surprise that, uh, that that would happen one day. Yeah, I wasn't surprised at all. Okay, so um, now, so Nathan works with your with Richard, the the good guy. <laughs> yes. With the good okay. Guy. And then what about um, your next son? Okay, now the one now we've we've skipped one and we've oh. already talked about where he's at, and so Wait, who, another. We skipped one. Well, there's five sons, and we've talked about Robbie. We've talked about uh, Darren, who's um, in the prison system. Right, Justin, Nathan. And we've talked about Justin and Nathan. And now my other son, Weston, is a student um, at ASU in Arizona. He's studying to be an an engineer. Hmm. Um, And then I have my daughter, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. And she is... um, Studying to, she uh, wants to be a social worker. She's an mm. advocate for children in mm. uh, in El Paso, and she's close to getting her degree in social work. Now that figures, <laughs> that makes sense. That often happens in families where there's been abuse. That there's because it's the desire to try to make sure this doesn't happen to other children. You know, uh, yeah. that other children don't have to grow up in homes of abuse. Um, and and I just wanted to mention the second son, the one who seems to have gotten the worst of it, um, is uh, he was, in addition to suffering the abuse and so on, um, he, for whatever reason, your ex-husband did not, your first one, the, the bad guy, did not uh, love him, had favoritism. He loved uh, his first son the most, and then yes. he was particularly abusive to the second one. It was almost like the second one was intruding on their relationship, and then also he was nicer to the third one. Right, he did, and and I, uh, my second son looked more like my side of the family. He was very, t- you know, he was just tall, um, blonde. They all were, but he looked more like, um, you know, my side of the family. And from the time he was born, he just, you know, told him that he was never wanted. Hmm. He said, um, you know, he was just very, very emotionally abusive. He would always take my oldest, the the baby, the older one, and tell me if I wanted to get out, I could leave, take the second one, but I would never leave with the first. Hmm. So there was just that, you know, that emotional um, Emotional you know, abuse. abuse, yes. Mm-hmm. It well was very as... severe from from the very beginning. And um, so, are you able? So, what? So, I guess as we're kind of coming to a close here, what are sort of the the take home messages that you want to give women? Um, I mean, would you? Do you regret? Uh, not having left sooner, what would you tell women who find themselves earlier in the situation, but, you know, 
were married to a man who's abusive? There is no love. This isn't a loving relationship. It is a very toxic and it is a very dangerous relationship. And what they are doing to themselves, they're not only putting their, their, their emotional health, you know, at risk, they're putting their life in danger, they're putting their physical health in danger, they are destroying their children's lives, they're, they cannot heal in those type of relationships, they cannot change the abuser. They will change themselves. They need to recognize that the problem lies within themselves um, as well, that they need counseling. Anytime that you are tolerating and you're accepting the abuse, the, there is something within you from your childhood, from, you know, your own codependency, all of that behavior. There is something wrong with you. Take that responsibility. Change it. Stop it. Don't get involved. These people do not, these guys do not love you. And you were right when you said that things are changing because I've worked a lot with high school students. And it just shocked me as these girls were talking about, you know, but he loves me. Look what he's doing for mm. me. You know, and and, and they're, they're being stronger than the guy you know if he beats me i'm gonna beat him (laughs) this is what society is you know this is what we've come to and there is nothing i mean the the end of the road is either death or destruction to your children to yourself there's no love there's there's nothing about love that's involved in this it's sick it's unhealthy it's an illness it's a disease it's an addiction Yes, absolutely. And it, what's sad is that these teen girls, um, because they, many of them don't have fathers at home, you know, they're either coming from the divorced families or from fathers who just aren't physically or emotionally present. And so when a guy uh, acts, you know, a uh, very emotional, passionate, even though it could, they're passionately giving them a black eye, um, that it's it, it, it's twisted and it tells them, oh, somebody must love me. You know, look at how. He, he's crazy in love with me. I make him so crazy. He wants to possess me so much, you know. Uh, he loves me so much. I, and, yes, that's so important to point out that it's not that he loves you so much. It's that he has severe problems, probably was abused himself, and probably you, you know, the girl was abused, at least if not physically and, and or emotionally or sexually, then at the very um, least by neglect. So, yes, these right. things are so so important. Now, what website um, would you like people to go to? Go to uh, www.janisromney.com. You can also find the book on www.beyondthepoweroflove. Another point that I want to really make is that when we have learned to find love, you know, as paint, as children, we want to be loved, but we're we find love through, you know, through being hurt. So we think that we've got to go through hurt in order right. to be loved. Right, right. And yeah. that, guys that hurt, they feel like they have a right to do what they're doing. It has nothing to do with loving you or with, with treating you with respect or showing, you know, that you're their girl. They have a right to abuse you. They have a right to hurt you. They, that's what they think because of their own twisted childhoods. Absolutely. 
Well, Janice, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story, and I, I really think you did open up a lot of eyes. Um, again, her websites are JaniceRomney.com, Janice, J-A-N-I-C-E, Romney, of course, R-O-M-N-E-Y.com, and also BeyondThePowerOfLove.com. And uh, again, the book, the memoir, is called Beyond the Power of Love, A Woman's Journey Through Betrayal of Religion and Spousal Abuse. So thank you, Janice. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.